Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show that comes to you once a week, recapping the Hollywood week that was, getting you ready for the Holly Weird week to come, and what a weird couple of days it was over on the other side of the pond in Venice. We will get to all of it. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. That is co-host also Mike. I am co-host Mike One, and this is September 9th, 2019, Michael, the six-year anniversary of August Osage County. Is it really? Sure is. I wouldn't lie to you. Oh, my God. Meryl <laughs> Streep in that movie was crazy. She landed a nom for that, no? Or am I remembering wrong? She I can't remember off the top of my head. It's a safe bet, yeah, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> nom for most things in, in her career. Yeah. Uh, Mike, a lot of stuff to get to today. We are going to talk on, and touch on, I should say, some Venice Film Festival stuff just because it's wild what happened there yesterday on <laughs> Saturday afternoon when these awards were finally given out. The Golden Lion Award was given out. And that's actually where we will start with our News of the Week segment. News, 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 Like we said, Venice Film Festival just wrapped up yesterday. They handed out their notorious Golden Lion Award, and wouldn't you know it, it doesn't go to some high-class, high-concept art film. It goes to Todd Phillips, the Joker. The Joker wins the Golden Lion Award. Obviously exciting news for the Joker character study series that we have been doing here and for the Oscar race in general that we will be covering all the way to and through award season like MMO does yearly. Uh, just as a means of recap, the Golden Lion is the award given to the best film in competition at Venice. And Joker comes out of this festival with a 75 meta score, respectable, mm -hmm. kind of in that best picture compromise candidate range historically anyway as far as meta ratings go but a high 86 percent on rotten tomatoes currently with 49 critic reviews and counting obviously so on oscar race checkpoint we have criticized the venice film festival lineup for its lack of female filmmakers in competition only because it really deserves it yeah it does really <laughs> deserve it and the venice film festival has also included mike other directors whose names we just cringe over yep <laughs> roman roman polanski is one of those names yes he is and he also found success as he was taking home the silver, silver lion, lion grand jury prize he won second place and nate parker who has been accused of rape he was acquitted of that he also won the sconfini section the trey scalini right <laughs> anyway the joker is the main story and you got to look at the field, correct? Big names, absolutely, and names that we've talked about a lot already and we have not reviewed. We plan on reviewing them, but Marriage Story mm -hmm. ranks in with a 95 meta rating right now. Ad Astra's an 81. The Laundromat, Scary 59, but it still was in competition. The Truth had a 72. Wasp Network carries a 59. About Endlessness, Emma and Baby Teeth were all in competition, and The Joker was found to be better than all of them. This is the equivalent of Venice's Best Picture winner. So the big story there is defeating Noah Baumbach's movie, I would yes, say. Yes, I would agree with that. You know, Ad Astra, I'm surprised to see that 81 meta score. The Laundromat seems like it's down in critics' eyes. The Wasp Network, same deal. About en Endlessness, 
former Golden Globe winner there. Emma, we talked about Pablo Lorraine. Baby Teeth is getting a lot of great buzz from a female filmmaker, no less. Well, Can nice you believe it? Yeah, <laughs> amazing that Venice acknowledges they exist. Uh, just a quick tangent. What's more surprising to you, Ad Astra's 81 or The Laundromat's 59? One very high, oh, one very low. The Laundromat's yeah, 59. Yeah, I would agree with that. I but would agree with that take. Soderbergh's been up and down a little bit. And yes. It's just, I didn't love The High Flying Bird. I really didn't love it. I wasn't a fan myself, yeah. We're basketball junkies. Sure, big time. So we know the game. We respect the, you know, shooting everything on an iPhone. Right. And turning that into a feature film. That's that's fantastic and amazing. We also know the game behind the game. Right. And the game behind the game for The Laundromat would have been making Meryl Streep and Gary Oldman owners of The Laundromat. All right, you're still going with this, huh? All right, don't stop. (laughs) Look, uh, I do think Academy voters are paying more attention to film festivals these days and in recent years. Green Book won the TIFF Audience Award last year. Next week's MMOW, we hope to have the the next TIFF Audience Award winner to report on. We already had Parasite uh, win the Palme d'Or at Cannes, and that is getting Best Picture buzz. And it was also selected as South Korean's uh, entry into the best international film category, Mike. So recent history seems to be supporting that, and you got some more stats. Yeah, recent history as well has suggested that the Golden Lion does parlay itself well into Academy consideration, though that's not been the case throughout the Venice Film Festival's existence. Just recently, 2018, the winner of the Golden Lion was Roma, which of course won what was called then Best Foreign Film at the Oscars, mm-hmm. also won Best Director, obviously, was nominated in a bunch of other categories as well. 2017's Golden Lion winner was The Shape of Water. That was the first time, I think in a long, long time, that the Golden Lion winner, Guillermo del Toro's latest, actually won Best Picture at the Oscars as well. From 2016, though, before The Shape of Water's success, 2016, you have to go all the way back to 2008, 05, and 04's Golden Lion winners, which were respectively The Wrestler, Brokeback Mountain, and Vera Drake, to find more Oscar nominations. And most notably, 2005, 2005 is the last time a Golden Lion winner Brokeback Mountain, uh, was nominated for Best Picture. So like we said, recent history suggests a correlation of success in Venice with success at the Academy. Could that have to do with the widening Academy? Could that mm-hmm. have to do with the wider Best Picture field? Could that have to do with a litany of reasons? Pick one that fits your narrative. But historically, overall, generally speaking, not a correlation of success between success at Venice and success at the Oscars. Yeah, I could have gone back to 1946, but I was too lazy to do the cross-section <laughs> and the crossover you? stats. But I don't think it's very good, and it, it doesn't line up one-to-one no. at all. It makes sense, because this is an early fall film mm-hmm. festival on the one hand. On the other hand... Recent history does seem to say that buzz from this festival could follow through for you. And sure. that goes along with the globalization, with the you know onslaught of mainstream media really spreading its wings, looking for anything and everything to report on. So I would guess Academy voters are more sensitive and more receptive of this information and of an award like this. Yeah, I, I think generally that's true. And yet... <laughs> We're talking about two films here by two filmmakers other than The Joker, and all props to The Joker. We'll be covering that as well throughout award season. And if it is a Best Picture contender, then I also tweeted out, I think we should retroactively take back Slumdog Millionaire's Best Picture and give it to The Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. But look, this is a good sign for The Joker. Sure. No matter how you slice it, it's a great sign that it won one of the big festivals. 
and yet, with the success, you know, talking about success at Venice and what does that mean for the Academy, we have two very polarizing, very controversial filmmakers in Venice mm-hmm. who the Venice Film Festi- Festival director made a point to say that these were two of the best films that were available and that's all he cares about is quality of film yeah. and Roman Polanski and Nate Parker who get in there and actually win awards, There's, wouldn't you know? So let's put a pin in that for a moment yeah. and run down the rest of the awards. The uh, directing award went to Roy Anderson for About Endlessness. Mm-hmm. Mike, have you ever seen a pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence? No, but I have seen Hitchcock's The Birds. Same thing? Neither, if I know. Neither was, no, it's been on my Netflix feed forever. I haven't clicked That's on it That's because yet. you're an esteemed critic, and I <laughs> made a joke about pigeons. So I'm esteemed just for having it on my feed. Yeah, for at least giving it a thought. Giving it a thought. As opposed to me in my X-Men shirt right now. This is the first I'm hearing of it. So. <laughs> the uh, Best Actress Award went to Ariane Ascaride. Not so esteemed now, are you, big guy? <laughs> but Gloria Mundy, I mispronounced all of those, I'm sure. Well, they're not Oscar nominees. <laughs> yet so i don't yeah, know that's true that's i could have looked him up i'm All a right. jerk best actor went to luca marinelli i got that one there you go for martin eden all right the screenplay award went to number seven cherry lane by yon fan and the special jury prize went to the mafia is no longer what it used to be by franco maresco and one more actually the marcello mastriani award went to toby wallace for baby teeth yeah nate parker's american skin like mike said earlier won the sconfini section award for bringing together different cultures just to give you kind of a synopsis parker plays an iraqi war vet who seeks justice after his only son is killed by a white police officer parker and producer spike lee received a long-standing ovation at the premiere that's great here's my problem and my conspiracy theory with Mm -hmm. medicine i like this it's a little convenient it's a tad convenient where you have the director who has gone out of his way to kind of poo-poo social justice narratives and say, look, I don't care about women directors necessarily. I just want the best films. If they institute this quota system, I will opt out. I don't want any part of that. I don't want a hard and fast quota system. We've reported on this on Oscar race checkpoints for the last month or so. It's a little convenient to have that narrative go into this and then on the outset when it's time to give awards... Look, I told you I only wanted the best films, and despite how controversial Nate Parker and Roman Polanski are, they're the best films because, look, they won these awards. I'm not saying that's, you know, an A to B straight line exactly what happened, mm-hmm. but it's a little tough to swallow that the guy is, you know, for for as loaded an issue as Roman Polanski is in mm-hmm. general. Oh, yeah. Loaded an issue as Nate Parker is in general to have them come out the other side and say... Oh my God, we did it. See, I took the chance. I put these films in the festival and they was paid off because they were the best. He's doubling down, or you think the festival's doubling down on what their president said. It just smells funny, right? I mean, to me, it just, like, you can see, it may not have nothing to do with that, but to me, that's the first thing I thought of, like, huh, and how do you let everyone go home happy anyway? You try to cover it all up by giving it to a crowd pleaser like the Joker, the biggest prize. Okay, here's an extreme take on top of that. Yeah. Is Marriage Story glad it did not win this one? Oh, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, what are what is the narrative? What is the story? What are people going to be talking about at most falling out of this? And so far, for the most part, too, I guess, if this is that conspiracy theory, is Venice's credit, it has been the Joker. It hasn't been so much. There's been talk about Polanski, but it's been mostly the Joker. If it turns to Polanski and Nate Parker and all these controversies and this kind of the fixes in type thing, then yeah, I would think Marriage Story would breathe, breathe a sigh of relief for not being recognized. No, I now mean, that's a, that's an extreme take. Sure. We both recognize right. it. Where we are essentially being a little mean there, I would say yep, absolutely. But Stir and you show. know, for good reason because they pissed us off. 
you know. Yeah, with the lead, I mean, it was borderline offensive the way the lead up went. We, you can't, you can't just brush aside the Me Too movement as if it didn't happen. You can't just brush aside the systemic industry problem of women filmmakers not getting enough opportunities. And London Film Fest includes sixty percent. Right. Right. And, and all these other film festivals have a larger percentage, a much larger percentage of female filmmaker-made films. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, offensive that Polanski is still winning awards. I will say that. Absolutely. That's how I feel. I mean, that's that's inexcusable. Nate Parker, you want to talk about how he was acquitted. I don't know enough about the backstory myself. I haven't done enough research on it, so I'll, I'll abstain from passing that kind of judgment on that. Right. But right. Polanski, we know enough to... I mean, this is ridiculous. I, I think it's ridiculous. And I think, you know, people criticize... The morality police, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we enter into this area at times. Sure. Mike, I think it's a good thing that we're concerned about issues like this. And we're, you know, we're a smaller podcast and we're concerned about it. And so many other podcasts are concerned about it. I think that's a good thing that we're questioning these decisions by powers that be and by powers that, that protect criminals. Yeah. And Polanski is a criminal. We've, we've been over that. You know, as the saying goes, man, from your lips to God's ears, you, you can't, like I said, we know enough. Like, and and yes, you can talk about it, how it's a social justice warrior thing and that people are being too sensitive and all this, but you're absolutely right. I don't see how if the main fallout of this is that we all stop, pause, and think for a second yeah. about these issues at large and victims and people who have and could be hurt, I don't see how that's a bad thing. I, I don't either. To get back to the main thing, though, the Joker, we talked about it earlier. It's a good sign for the Joker, no matter yep. what we say. Yep. So to recontextualize what we both said before, Marriage Story would have been happy to win this at the end of the day. Yes, I, I think as of right now. And, I, yeah, otherwise, yeah. it's just sour grapes right. on our part. We're right. hypocrites. Yeah. And we might be that anyway. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, I mean, this is good for the for Joker, and it's good for the, the, the lead-in. And it's, and it's good for Joker that it... Chapter 2 didn't do as well, and it might be the evil clown standing atop the mountain at the end of this month of evil clowns. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that first week of October, Venom, who just set the record last year for biggest October release of all time. If Joker keeps gaining momentum, who knows? That that record could be in trouble. It's exciting. So uh, we got to get into the rest of the show, though. Yeah, let's transition out of news of the week. Let's talk about what we've been watching. It's what we're watching. Mike, you have some stuff. You have some potential 2019 Oscar contenders, or at least movies who were at one time potential Oscar contenders, but we're going to start with some hard knocks. Yeah, Oakland Raiders, <laughs> episode five, we finished this series. They ended it a week early. <laughs> there should be a bonus episode. I mean, did all the cameras leave? Did oh they turn goodness. them all off? There's some running. We just need one in that room with Mayock and right. a- a- Antonio Brown, AB, who if, you know, look, we're not going to do a long rant on no. this, but he is the dude that won Dancing with the Stars, correct? Or he was in the final two, final four? I didn't even know he was on, but sure, yeah, all right. Steelers wide receiver, got traded to the Raiders, basically ran himself out of town yeah. after, you know, going to cryotherapy without shoes and yeah. burning his feet. Yeah. And that kept him out a couple weeks, and that was a big to-do. And then the NFL said that he has to, you know, use a new helmet, a helmet that's approved. Or a helmet that, you know, will protect his brain. Yeah, a helmet that's approved (laughs) by the league, Mike, because the last helmet was 10 years old, Mm -hmm. and he basically left camp after that. So those are two things. And then it comes out right after Hard Knocks finished its season that he got into a major argument, like trying to fight the Threatening general to punch manager, Mike Mayock, the GM, yeah, and 
a day later, he does a teary-eyed apology. The best part of his apology was that he recorded, video recorded, a conversation he was having with head coach John Gruden. Right. Put it on Instagram and put the background music was the soundtrack from Moonlight. Yeah. And he put that on Instagram. That was the best part of this whole ordeal. Well, that's a good soundtrack. <laughs> Leading to, of course, the next day he gets fined, his guaranteed money goes away, and they cut him. So immediately, right after he had this apology and news broke on that, everybody was like, okay, he did that so he can keep all of his money. Right. Because they could cut him and breach of contract, they could basically get him out of his money. Yeah. And then he apologizes, whatever. But... He posts on Instagram, and next thing you know, he's cut anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They they end up voiding $30 million of his guaranteed money, which was basically the last straw. I don't think... I think at that point, each side knew they were done with each other. This guy was kind of self-sabotaging his time there to maybe orchestrate his move to elsewhere, greener pastures, Super Bowl-y pastures. He goes to the Patriots now. <laughs> you darn it. So the one of the best receivers in the league goes to the best team in the league, the yeah. odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl, go back to and the Super speaking Bowl. Speaking of odds, their Vegas odds to win the Super Bowl jump from like 13 to 2 to 4 to 1 after he signed. Anyway, we're an Oscars podcast. Yeah. We're talking about all this that wasn't on the HBO TV show. HBO's got to be ripping piss. Got to be so upset. They got to be dying right now because that would have been appointment viewing. And it was a boring season of Hard Knocks, by boring. the way. Yeah, uh, I mean... All the characters that we came to know yeah. didn't do well by the end of it. <laughs> it didn't make the team. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. I mean, it's fine. It's still There's still some Hard Knock goods in there. Yeah, I, but not one of the stronger seasons. Absolutely yeah. not. Mike, I watched Late Night on Amazon Prime. So this, this is, is one of those that was supposed to be an yeah. Oscar contender. It had Oscars legs at one point. Sundance and favorite. kind of fallen by the wayside. It didn't do well. By at the, the wayside. Sorry, yeah. that's contractually obligated out. by me. Yeah, that the last <laughs> award season, I thought that would expire. The you know what it is? It's when it comes up on my shuffle and reminds me that I exists, and then I would like to be Jackson Maine, so I have to. To a de- point, right? Okay, Emma Thompson. <laughs> Emma Thompson is the only female late night talk show host in this reality and in our reality. There's not many more. Sam B. Yeah, right. That's it. Uh, she's about to lose her show, Mike. And Mindy Kaling is a writer on the sinking ship, and she kind of turns it around for everybody. Now, Mindy Kaling is really funny. Sure. Emma Thompson's kind of funny in this. This movie's not funny though. Really? And I was kind of upset by that. There are good performances, and I think the drama works well. I don't have a problem with it. It hits on current issues. It's a bit like Conan O'Brien, The War for Late Night huh. in there, and I kind of enjoyed that. So it's a worthwhile watch on Amazon Prime. I just it's If you're looking for a great comedy, it doesn't deliver those goods. You don't think it has the kind of underrated, one of those post-hype Oscar contenders where people forgot about it, but then the... They'll get a new marketing push for it. I don't see it. I don't see the okay. Oscar reel scenes for Emma Thompson. It's It's got to be special sure. to come out at that point of yep. the year and not make waves and then suddenly show up again. It's got to really be special. Yeah. I don't think it is. All right. Michael, watch The Secret Life of Pets 2 on VOD. This was a mess. This is the most surprising review it, I've heard of yours this year. It wasn't bad. <laughs> that the secret life of pets, too, couldn't put it, pull it together. It's just a little too heavy, and on the metaphor front of all things, I, look, I just want two dogs <laughs> frolicking in a sausage factory. And that's not a metaphor. A, a literal sausage factory, Mike, and having the time of their doggy lives and just le- laying on their backs looking at the sunset and with full sausage-filled bellies. You want the lady in the tramp trip. 
I want the lady yeah. and the tramp. Yeah. I want that kind of a doggy movie. <laughs> I, hear, yeah. I don't want a doggy movie that's a metaphor for child rearing and all God. the things that adults go through and animals in captivity and all the and, and animals with like psychosis. Oh no. What's going on here? And at the vet and all these scary things that I live vicariously through my little poochie. I don't want to think about these things when I'm watching a cartoon dog movie. So what you're saying is the weeks in MMOW covering mm-hmm. how Secret Life of Pets 2 was kind of faltering a little bit at the box office compared to expectations. It's well earned. It's earned a little bit. And it's unfortunate because I was rooting for this movie, Mike. Yeah, yeah, same here. Sad um, sad to hear. I watched American Factory on Netflix. This is a documentary about a Chinese-owned, essentially a reopening of of an automobile factory. They're making glass. Probably not an Oscars movie, but a, a darn good documentary here. Okay. You got a culture clash. You got the cultures working together. It's fascinating. It's really exhilarating, too. Like, I got really hyped up and amped up to watch this company trying to get production up, to watch all these workers just uh, to get a you know glimpse into their personal life. And it, both Chinese workers and American workers, because Chinese workers had to come over and basically spend two years away from their families mm. helping all these American workers get their production. Uh, shit together and i really enjoyed it it's a little dry okay you know so well, it's a little ask. it's if vegetables so excited for it if it's an interesting story what makes it what keeps it from being an oscar there's no springsteen song nah, in I'll the movie it. it's in the trailer <laughs> i didn't see it in the movie but you know they could have done a lot more human interest stories within, gotcha. within this you know long run time so beware like if, you, if you're not in the mood for vegetables this is vegetables but it, it's Good tasting vegetables. So not an Oscars movie, but a watch. Uh, yeah, I would okay. watch it. Yeah, I would watch it. Okay. I continued my Noah Baumbach rewatch. Yeah. Back, or watch, in this case, uh, Mistress America. There's like four or five Baumbach movies that I haven't seen, and this is number three here. I still got De Palma. He did a, a documentary that's on Netflix, and uh, I still think I've seen Greenberg. I'm almost sure I've seen Greenberg. I'm going to say I've seen Greenberg with Ben Stiller. Okay. And I don't think I liked it, <laughs> but I don't remember it. And then Mr. Jealousy is his little known second film that I got to see. Anyway. Well, you're working your way through them. You're mowing them down. I'm mowing them down. Story. He's the king of oblique dialogue. I love the relationship between Mozart in the Jungles, Lola Kirk, who plays a college kid, meeting her stepsister-to-be, who's a 30-year-old Greta Gerwig, okay, living in go. New York City, and they just have, like, frolicking good times together, and then Greta Gerwig's a basket case, and like I said, the oblique dialogue just flows so well. It's, it's pretty funny. It gets a little batty at the end, but uh, I'm in for all these Noah Baumbach movies so far. I, I, I'm loving them. All right, good to hear, and nice to know that he's got a string of success leading up to Marriage Story, at least critically speaking. Let's start with the best thing you saw this week, Michael, before I have an interesting see by skip for you. So I woke up very early this morning, I watched Star Wars Empire of Dreams. This is a two-and-a-half-hour, almost well, two-hour and 40-minute documentary on Amazon Prime about the making of the first Star Wars trilogy and just put this in my veins, as you like to say. Yeah, you're it's, a big fan, huh? It's about George Lucas. Lucas and the crew, one of the best docs I've seen in a while. And for this year, even though it was made in 03 or 04, one of those. Oh, wow. Great well, doc. Not good to hear. Nice to hear. So you and you are a big Star Wars fan. We've gone over that plenty of times mm-hmm. here. So obviously, for any Star Wars junkies out there, that seems to be something that's worthwhile, especially if it's the best thing you saw this week. Let's do a special seat by skip. The NFL is starting today, Michael. <laughs> we are recording kind of early so we can get back to our homes and be fat and eat and drink and watch football and cheer on the Giants and our... Endless endeavor to, for mediocrity. If they go down early, I'm putting a movie on. 
Let's see by skip teams that you don't like that you have to root for. The Patriots, oh. the Jets, or the Eagles. Oh, see by God. skip. All right. If it was 15 years ago, I would have said by the Patriots. Right. But I can't do that anymore. Of any course longer. not. No. I can't do that I would after lose all respect the success. For you, can't do that after yeah. we've waged war and Super Bowls <laughs> against them and, and won, all their dirty the tricks. And what? You dirty tricksters. <laughs> Your film and practices. And listen, for the record, Deflategate matters. It matters. <laughs> because I wore, I coach kids, and they like to use, especially the small-handed ones, right? they sure. like to use a deflated ball. The P- I'm in charge of the PSI a couple years oh, back. Oh, okay. And my quarterbacks want to use a lesser PSI football. Did you ever deflate those balls for them? No, but I'm putting it at the edge, yeah. the lower edge. Putting it where it needs, yeah. Right, and gotcha. you have Nate Solder, who's an offensive line. And one-handed catching the football in the rain in that Colts playoff game, Mike. It freaking matters if those P- if that PSI is blow. Right. You didn't think you'd get a hot take on the flake no, gate here, no. but that's my hot take. I've been stewing on that one for a while. Yeah, that seems like something you've practiced. So I'm selling. I'm selling. What is C by skip? C by skip. Skipping. skipping the Pats. I'm skipping the Pats. So that leaves you with the Sophie's choice: Jets or Eagles. Here, oh, it's just awful. <laughs> it's just awful. I have to buy the Jets, obviously. I think they're that fellow might New York be team. the right answer, even though I despise the Jets. And I think I respect the Eagles' offense and okay. how they call the offense. And I like the way they blitz, and I like the way they get pressure. I respect the brand of football that the Eagles play, even though I hate them with a passion of a yeah. fire. Fire, you know. Well, here, there's another thing. I'm going to stop my metaphor mid-sentence because <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook is a great movie and one of my favorites. Oh, true, true. And that was about Eagles fans. Yeah. And that, that actually endeared me to Eagles fans. Oh, Jesus. All so, right. You know what? Uh, if they make a movie about Patriots fans, maybe you'll win me back over. Because I used to always kind of half root for the Patriots because Bill Belichick, and I grew up rooting for him as the Giants defensive coordinator. Yeah, there's something to be said about the Eagles fans movie that turns into an Oscar contender and an Oscar winner, and then the Giants fan movie is Patton Oswalt as a killer. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> but it also kind of fits Giants fans. Oh, yeah. That's not, I'm are, not saying it's not appropriate. They're miserable. I've never seen a more miserable fan you base. You can't stand up at the stadium. The they state, yell at you. The state season ticket holders yell at you to sit down. Everybody is just just mis. Yeah. And maybe that's because they know it's going to be a four hour <laughs> ride home. And it's a hell of a year. No every matter year. where they live, every year is a hell of a year. <laughs> it's like a two hours to get out of the stadium. Yeah, it's it's brutal. Absolutely, brutal. it's not worth it. You got an HD TV, just sit home. Yeah, cleaner bathrooms. <laughs> uh, I didn't watch much this week. Stop me if you've heard that before. Listen, mm. if I were a gambling man, all right, <laughs> if I placed bets, if you were this hypothetical right, person, right. Um, let's say I have friends who do. Okay? Mm-hmm. The Clemson-Texas A&M game that happened yesterday, Saturday this afternoon. Was how, what was the point spread? Do you remember? Uh, I, I believe uh, my buddy who gambled on this told me it was 16 and a half. Because I remember listening to guys last week talking about Clemson. They're favored by 35 points. Yeah. And they're like, I'm staying away from that game. And then I looked at the score. It was crooked. It was like yeah, yeah. 40-something points. I was like, that was a good, good stay away. Clemson was up. 20 the entire game. Mm-hmm. Up 21, 20 or 21 the entire game. It wasn't close. It was domination. Okay? Right. We as a modern society <laughs> cannot allow these backdoor covers that I have friends of who bet on these games oh, no. to lose money in these situations. Oh. Because it's enough to break a man. You understand? <laughs> Clemson was up the entire game by three scores. AM drives down with three minutes left, just gets within the five yard line like clockwork, 10 seconds left, 
They call a timeout on fourth down because they want to get a score. Because it was 24 to 3. Uh. God forbid you lose 24 to 3. You gotta lose 24 to 10. Uh. And they score. And we can't listen, we are mod- we have grown enough as a society where the backdoor cover should not be allowed if I have friends who have money on these games. You understand? I, we can't do this. We gotta grow. <laughs> This is one of your most epic rationalizations, (laughs) and I have no sympathy for you. I'm going to not make eye contact for a while. Heartbreaking (laughs) for my friends. I picture. I just watched a gambler. I reviewed it recently. Yeah. Don't take this the wrong way, or take it the right (laughs) way. I don't know. I picture you in a bathtub with an old AM radio, like James Conn was throwing it against the opposite wall. Yeah. It's not far from the truth. <laughs> uh, I did watch, I needed a palate cleanser and something to cheer me up. I watched the Happy Time Murders last night. This Melissa McCarthy, Puppets, Jim Henson. What were people <laughs> expecting with this movie that, that said it was terrible? And, like, so you what, got what you want. It's exactly what you think it is. And like sometimes you just <laughs> want to turn your brain off and watch a puppet. Come silly string for a oh, couple Jesus. scenes. Like, I don't understand. That was in the trailer. What do people expect with this movie that they said it was bad? I laughed. I, I haven't gone near it. I like Melissa McCarthy, though. I was intrigued by it. I wanted to see it kind of back in the day. It's funny. I mean, I, yeah. it delivers goods. I think it's better than, like, I mean, you. I see you asked me. It's better than Adam Sandler's recent stuff. I'm tempted to do a Joe Pesci funny how rant against you, but I'm, I'm not going to do it because I think let, I'll let you have this. You, you went through. I a, needed it. You yeah. went through a tough night in the Maybe bathtub. That's it too. Yeah, my 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 prism was my lens was a little crooked after uh, what happened, or at least what happened to my friends yesterday. I'll say. Um, so that's good. You liked a movie. I liked a movie. I was sad. And watching, and you're watch probably watching a lot of football today and yesterday. Well, I watched a lot, you watched you watched a lot of football to cheer on my. Friends, bets. Poor Army. <laughs> oh, my, I'm sick for that field goal kicker, Poor man. kid. I'm sick for that field goal kicker. We got some audience interaction, though, and another great week here, Michael. Yeah, everybody was on top of it. So six degrees of MMO, Bill Hader to Eva Longoria, but we ran into a problem, Mike. Yes, it's definitely our fault. Yeah. Let's open with that. We didn't realize that in season 31, episode 6 of SNL, you know, they were together, Ava mm-hmm. Longoria and Bill Hader. <laughs> in the same and- building. And Merck with a movie blog pointed that out. And several people like Ali and Jay put them both as guest stars on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And Teresa Seidenberg and Invasion of the Remake connected them through Over Her Dead Body pretty quickly. Yeah. And at Tony81 had a great gift of Tom Cruise, gift or gift, Mm -hmm. of Tom Cruise and Bill Hader dancing from Tropic Thunder. Just begging me to pick it, Mike. (laughs) But we can't because you declared on the thread that there can only be one efficiency award this week. And I don't blame you because yeah. it was too easy. And right. some people took, you know, they took that track. Well, it's, it's it's fine. It's our fault at the end of the day. Listen, we welcome and accept any and all entries. All right. And if you wanted to go for the efficiency award, I, I understand that. That's fine if it's letting you in the face. And again, it's our fault, like you said. So I gave them backhanded compliments and pats on the back by mentioning them there. <laughs> but there is one efficiency <laughs> award winner, and you'll see why. Uh, Dark Nook, a frequent flyer, is becoming a borderline Hall of Famer here yeah. Six Degrees Entries. At Dark Nook Shop, Bill Hader does the voice of Firewater in Sausage Party. Is that the character's name? <laughs> <laughs> Arguably the best animated movie. 
movie about sentient grocery store products ever made. Arguably. It's up there. It's up there. It's either that or Food Fight, I think. Okay. Ava Longoria does the voice of Lady X in Food Fight, inarguably the worst animated movie uh. about sentient grocery store products ever made. So there we have it. A to B conversation through talking sausages. So we got to have Dark Nook on and you argue, you know, Sausage Party versus Food Fight. I, guess, I can't argue Food Fight. In a fake fight. way. On the merits. It's so bad. It's dude. bad, huh? It's so bad. He said they spent fifty million on voice talent and fifty dollars on animation. It's about right. It's nine John Tron, minutes I think, long. I think it's John Tron on YouTube has a whole breakdown of it and it's it's just genius. Really? It's, it's a horrible movie. Well Dark Nook <laughs> sent us a link to the actual movie, which is just like on the internet and I refuse to click on it. It deserves to just be on the internet. Just <laughs> That's be on right. the it internet. just needs to linger there and, and maybe die someday. Oh my yeah. god. The meta score was really low too. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Anyway, Mike, we got a new award that we have to debut because this is the Tom Hanks Award, which goes to the best submission of a Six Degrees by a Tom Hanks podcast, <laughs> including Tom Hanks in the submission. Some might say this is a niche award. Yeah, it's a niche award. <laughs> it goes to at Tom Hanks Defense with a C from the Tom Hanks Defense Force podcast. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> Bill Hader was in Men in Black 3, which was composed by Danny Elfman. Uh, he also composed the music in The Circle, starring, you guessed it, Tom Hanks. <laughs> Emma Robert. No. <laughs> Tom Hanks was in Cloud Atlas with Jim Broadbent. Why he was, I will never know. Who voiced Santa in Arthur Christmas, which also starred Ava Longoria. Have you ever seen The Circle? No. I believe that's the uh, the Apple ripoff one, right? With uh, it? Hermione there. Unfortunately, I seen Cloud Atlas, and I that's think you're, and you're right about question. the yeah. circle. Yeah. yeah, Cloud Atlas was awful. Yeah, didn't get great reviews. The book got phenomenal reviews, and it actually kind of turned me away from the book. Oh, I was going to read the book. Wow, couldn't even do that. All right, David Lynch Award winner Mark Burgundy at the One Hands, another freaking flyer here. Bill Hader's first acting role was in the music video for "Go Deep" <laughs> by Janet Jackson. I just saw, just by happenstance, right. uh, a video. I, I should have clicked on it. I didn't know we were doing this. Uh, I, a video of Bill Hader explaining whether or not that's actually him in the music video, the Janet Jackson music video from 1990-whatever. Is he playing it straight, or is he going with Again, it? Again, I should have clicked on it. I, I, got it. I just saw the headline. I was like, what is this? What There's do you mean? a video, folks, and it teased that video. <laughs> Of Bill Hader, he might be in Go Deep right. by Janet Jackson. <laughs> Janet Jackson, his first acting role, was in A New Kind of Family with Rob Lowe, whose brother is Chad Lowe, who was married to Hilary Swank, who was in Beverly Hills 90210, which featured the first <laughs> acting role for Eva Longorio. That mostly rhymed. <laughs> And the fact that it mostly rhymed and that there were so many weird connections has to make it the David Lynch Award winner this week. Have you, did you ever watch 90210 back in the day? I think so. I uh, Here's a, what I know I watched. I watched Melrose Place. Okay. Because my aunt was crazy about it. When I was like six, seven, or eight, she'd put it on on like a Sunday night, and we'd have to watch a little Is bit of it. Is this the aunt that's married to the uncle with all the VHSs? No. No, different. Okay. Come on. <laughs> my uncle with impeccable taste is going to also... He's going to marry a woman who loves Melrose Place? No, this is good. I'd like that you insult my your entire Aunt family. My Auntie Carmella has equal taste in my Aunt Kathy. She's got, she likes Bohemian Rhapsody. Fuck. Oh, all right. <laughs> I love them both, though. Mike, who won this week? All right. 
The winner is at Nolan Roberts 17, who said Bill Hader is in It Chapter 2, a movie about a clown named Pennywise who has the same name as an alternative rock group whose lead singer is Jim Lindbergh, Michael, who is a UCLA alumni along with various celebrities, including John Williams, <laughs> who composed, of course, the score for Home Alone 2. All right? Mm-hmm. The Home Alone 2 featured Tim Curry. We, we reviewed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was in Clue with Christopher Lloyd, who provided voice work for the animated film Food Fight. There we are. Which he posted <laughs> after the Food Fight thing from Dark Nook was posted up there on our thread. Food Fight had Ava Longoria. Wait a minute. For, for animated. Uh, yeah. Food Fight had a lot of. Like, wait. Ava Longoria was in Food Fight? Yeah. Food Fight has A list voice actors. Yes. Oh, I guess that's how but the last one was connected. That went over movie. my head so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how this game is played. It's <laughs> only our job. 47th episode of MMO Weekly. Nolan Roberts, <laughs> you are the king of all things. Six degrees of MMO. You win all the bragging rights and you get to sit on the brand newly furbished throne that I think we've only had, talked about once because yeah. Paul Walter Hauser won it last week. He doesn't need our throne. He dusted it aside. He cleared it off. It's for you to sit on now, Nolan Roberts. It's not even warm anymore. No, I mean, we, yeah, it's, it's cold. He left it on a Monday right. and he didn't sit in it till Sunday. Like that's the perk of the chair. You could sit in it all week. Exactly. He reclines. But no one's got a, nice got a fresh rest. chair. Yeah. yeah, there you are. So uh, you are the winner of all things bragging rights. Like I said, let's move on, Michael. What is going to be the challenge for the fine people for Six Degrees of MMO this week? So Mike, we got a include jennifer lopez i think this week because hustlers is coming out Mm -hmm. it's getting some pretty positive buzz from from tiff and a couple of reviewers i really respect she uh, put up on instagram a video of her working on her pole dancing she had a pole a pole like Mm -hmm. i don't know if it was in a studio or inserted in her house or whatever um and all i can think about was good for you a rod (laughs) good for you it's about a true story and apparently it's a super entertaining movie I don't doubt it. I mean, it's A-list, awesome women. Mm -hmm. Constance Wu. Playing strippers and taking advantage of awful Wall Street type men. Let's go. Yeah. So, Jennifer Lopez to Maggie Smith. Who really should be in Hustlers as well and and working and just dancing. She should just give the looks uh, disapproving. Of that line of work, I think. And she, good God, would she... Di- no, she would have a heart attack and die immediately no. if she even knew that line of work oh, existed. Oh, how dare you? Uh, how dare you? I, I disagree vehemently. <laughs> I think Maggie Smith would love to be in a strip club and support those strong, independent females. So why Maggie Smith? Of course, Downton Abbey is a movie event that is coming out really two weeks from from Thursday mm-hmm. because September 19th, 20th is when its official release date is, Michael. But there will be a preview a one night only preview that i think we're getting dragged to this thursday and therefore we're reviewing it for this friday because that's what has to be because we're related to who we're related to and we have no choice and also i kind of hate watch this i was gonna say i resent the fact of how you're framing this as if you have no part in this whatsoever i secretly (laughs) do like it i was thinking about what do i like about it i like the servants i like most of the servants i like that they're all so sincere i like the production (laughs) values gosh darn it i like the the fact that i hate the rich people and and you know duke doofus over there Played by the whoever the count I forget his name. The old Duke Doofus. Him and his daughter Mary, I can't stand. I've been rooting for against them the whole series. So I like all this, 
and I'm going to go see this. Me and LeBron James, man, and our moms. <laughs> On Taco Tuesday, no doubt. It was Maggie Smith to Jennifer Lopez. M. Smo to J. Lo. That is your Six Degrees Challenge this week. We move on to a quick box office update. Uh, we don't have a lot to report because it's, again, for like the third week in a row, pretty much exactly what everyone assumed and presumed it would be. It Chapter 2 does lead the box office. It's going to pull in a projected $91 million. That sounds great, but... Again, just go back, listen to our It Chapter 2 review. You were going to hear why that's a bit of a troubling issue financially for the studio. It's still going to make money. It's still probably, between the two films, going to pull in somewhere north of $1.5 billion between the two of them, yeah. uh, if not just shy of that. So that's going to be a huge moneymaker, but still falling short of projections originally. A $37 million intake Friday, $10.5 million Thursday, and it already has done $39 million internationally just by Friday alone. I wonder so if we'll do way. better business internationally this time sequels could do that especially the high graphic ones you know the ones yeah. that are very reliant VFX. on vfx yeah and this one certainly is so it's possible yeah. anyway the rest of it is kind of chalk we don't exactly know the order yet but angel has fallen looks to be in second six million it'll you know wind up being over 56 million worldwide at this point which can't be great i mean what is its budget it's got to be 30 plus million so it's not making money right that series has made money despite itself despite i don't it. understand how or why but it's been in the top two on the box office. I mean, it's been a slow box office, admittedly, yeah. but it's been in the top two for three weeks now, I think. I think so. Uh, <laughs> Good Boys will be in that top five. It should cross $80 million worldwide with a $20 million budget, so that made some good money. The Lion King is approaching $1.6 billion. Hobbs and Shaw will be crossing the $700 million mark on a $200 million budget. And Overcomer is uh, an indie film hit right now. It's going to cross $25 million on a $5 million budget. Some of those faith-based Christian movies really are starting to do well on these tiny t it's like what happened with horror back yeah. in the 80s and 90s you make a film for like three or four million dollars you roll it out there and it's going to find an audience they've been making a lot of money yeah. man, no question so yeah the box office pretty much went chalk though that it chapter two one fell a little under expectations or at least the ceiling it was yeah. hopefully making 150 yeah and people were projecting like we said between 110 and 150 i think 91 is still good for the second highest September opening or horror September opening. I can't remember off the top of my head, but obviously does not measure up regardless in either way to It Chapter 1 and what it did in its record-breaking numbers. Let's move on to some trailer thoughts. Trailer thoughts! Bad Boys for Life. Uh, I'm officially <laughs> sick of them taking older songs that I love and remixing them into a slower-paced version to play over these trailers, Michael. I hated the remix of Bad Boys by Inner Circle, which was then... Oh, I don't hate it. The re I don't hate the remix of that. I hate the remix of the remix of the remix. Right. Because that was remixed into Bad Boys for Life by Diddy with Black Rob and Mark Curry. I love those two songs. I grew up on those two songs. And now we we slow it down. And I don't think it was cool. I think it was corny. You know how Hellraiser is relying on no. that puzzle box. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> and I it's do. like once every few years somebody finds the puzzle box and like <laughs> plays with it and they unlock it and All right. this is exactly what we do with P. Diddy. <laughs> That is just once every do. 10 years, we dust off the P. Diddy puzzle box. But we should, though, we shouldn't say we? We're making a new Bad Boys. <laughs> we need that song again. Here's a truck full of money. Thank you. Uh, this is all we do anymore. Because he know, He's laughing at us. He's the one that wins here. He wins. Make one song 20 years ago, and just every 10 years, write those checks, baby. 
he he wins a, a lot of things. <laughs> he does. Let's just say that. Well, all right, let's get to the trail. Yeah. I mean, the the action looks fun. Joe Pantoliano is the angry police chief is funny. That's a trope. Uh, the Miami cityscapes are beautiful. I'm still psyched to see this, but the music. Yeah, you weren't a fan of the music. I didn't mind it as much. Okay. But if I were to show you a trailer from Bad Boys 1, 2, and 3 without any kind of indication of which is which, do you think you'd be able to tell which movie was which? <laughs> Seriously. Well, Bad Boys 1 is 91. But yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, you'd be able if to you see them because they're young. <laughs> you somehow made the cinematography the same. Right. The same right. view. I don't think you'd be able to tell the difference. Mm. These are the same movies. How many times have you seen the first two? Like, because I've seen them. Probably... I watched Bad Boys 2 a lot. Oh, did you? Yeah, I watched Bad Boys 2. So I probably watched them each, you know, two or three times a piece. Yeah. So I don't know them, you know, back to front, but I enjoyed them. I remember laughing at them in theaters and going yeah. to see them a couple times in theaters. But of more concern, is this like one of only two or three standalone action franchises we have left? It's. I was thinking about this. It's mm. like Bad Boys comes out once every 10 years. We have The Terminator, which is still churning out, hopefully going to get revitalized with this new Dark Fate movie. We've said that before. Yeah. And Fast and Furious. Like Rambo, maybe? Technically? What else is there? Technically. You know, the diehards tried it, didn't work. Lethal weapons, we haven't seen those in a while. These studios just aren't doing like where's our where's our takens? Where's this generation's Seagal schlock action flick flicks? These where's the diehards? Well, John where's Wick. lethal weapons? John Wick. John Wick, yeah, that's a good point. All right, that's a good point. That's out there. Is there I mean anything else? Yeah, we need some more. Yeah, let's get let's make an action hero out but of somebody. This could be an awesome action yes, movie. It could. And Bad Boys 2 was a great pure action flick. And it got the send-up of my movie-watching life when I saw it in Hot Fuzz. Gets to get a send-up there. That was the greatest tribute ever, right? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm excited for this. Also want to know, I didn't forget Mission Impossible. I just think Mission Impossible is above the action genre. It transcends the genre. Oh, wow. Look at you, snobby Mm -hmm. Mr. Snobster. Other people get to say it about horror. I can say it about action. (laughs) Black Christmas had its first look and first trailer, Michael. So... Carrie Yules did it? Yeah, yeah, he did it. <laughs> I can't say his last name, but I'm pretty sure he did it from Princess Bride. Yeah, saw. yeah that's him. All right, so here's my question. Is this a whodunit in the first two iterations? Do we care, or what's going on here? Uh, it's not okay. the same basis as the first two iterate versions of this so movie. they're screaming it up basically yeah yeah they're like this is they're poisoning this one as a sorority versus a fraternity they're almost giving away who the bad guys seem to be within the trailer all the men yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, i don't know I, it still looked interesting it certainly looks more interesting to me than the 2006 version did right uh and it's kind of cool that we're having like plays of psychological horror in this as well because the attacker is getting one of the girls and it turns out to be a statue. So is it just in her head or what's going on? I mean, this was a wild trailer. Though. Yeah, I kind of liked it. I like the creepy Christmas music. I like the icicle. But be the ter- icicles terrify me because that so, could happen to us. Mike, if a cloaked man, like dressed all in black, grabbed an icicle and menacingly turned to you, you're not going to cower in fear. Ugh. It's an icicle. Breathe on it. <laughs> Do you, you don't go outside that often because icicles can be pretty hard. Like people die getting icicles from like the yeah, gutters. Yeah, don't see it kind of, I, I, I know, but like if I'm going to t- attack you with an icicle, you're, you're either going to laugh or you're going to fight back. She falls over a snowman right, in I the very next shot. I can't stand that. I, oh, I hated that so So she's not the most coordinated 
you know, icicle fighter. Right. <laughs> she can't really do a hand-to-hand icicle fight. You know, just some people are, some some people can, some people can't. Some people can fight with icicles, some people can't fight with icicles, yeah. <laughs> I, I Like I said, though, I am excited for this. It's, it seems like to be a different take. I also wonder if, is this the first third version of a horror movie? Is this the first time we're getting one of these? It can't be. I don't know. It might be. I was thinking, like, Halloween, obviously, but Halloween never really restarted. It only restarted itself once with the Rob Zombie stuff. It always stuff. builds on at least one other yeah. movie. Yeah. Is this the third remake? Right. Or, like, the second remake, I guess, of an right. original. That's a great question. Let us know, Dark yeah. Nook Shop, because I'm sure you have this down pat. Or, Somebody Because should. you're selling it out of your shop, and you're also <laughs> just crushing it with all those uh, uh, weird connections on Six Degrees of MMO. Uh, that's a good point. He would have the answer. Between <laughs> Two Ferns had its first looks. Just give this the Best Picture Award already. This was funny. Yeah, it is. I love the YouTube series like I know you do. Yeah. Great Matthew McConaughey scene. Awesome. Room floods. Will Ferrell says a joke. It's funny. I'll, I'll leave it for you folks. A terrible chicken joke, though. One of the worst chicken jokes I have ever seen. It's almost funny because it is so bad. You don't think that was the point, though? Like, it's such a bad... The, the, it's at least a misdirect on the chicken joke because it's a chicken strip and, you know, I don't know if it's in chicken clothes. I don't know. I love Lauren Lapkus. I'm giving her the benefit of the I love doubt. Lauren Lapkus. I wonder how much she made fun of the writers on set for having to say that line. I can't wait for this. And it's coming out in a couple of two weeks, September 20th. Netflix, again, just dropping this on us. Uh, something that's coming that we really want and it's going to come to us very soon. So I can't wait. That's cool. Tall Girl is also going to be on Netflix. So Netflix has been crushing the rom-com genre. Everybody's been watching these. Michael, are you ready for this? <laughs> It's about a tall girl who can't find love because she's tall, ah. but she'll find love with a tall boy and a short one who's also clumsy. Are you ready for this, I Michael? I cringed throughout this entire trailer. <laughs> so is she, like, accepting herself? Mm-hmm. How? She's totally changing her look and conforming by the end of it, to societal norms. By the end of it, she will accept herself and not conform to societal norms. Or she'll find a nice balance, but she... So that totally belittles the little sister, the big sister character, then, if she does that. Like, thanks for your help, but I don't need you. Yeah. And then, is this the rom-com where the tall girl falls in love with the short best friend and realizes he was the right one all along? Or is this the rom-com where the tall girl uh, has her relationship sabotaged by the best friend who turns into the jealous antagonist? Which one is this? It depends what director Zynga Stewart thinks of Say Anything. (laughs) <laughs> because if she loves say anything, or if she loves to hate say anything, it's going to be a different take. It's going to dictate which way we lean here. I understand. Which is part of the reason I'm going to watch this immediately. So this, much like, like everything soon. else in movie history, comes down to your interpretation of say anything. I get it. It does. I, mean, I, I understand that. It yeah. does. I'm in for this. Fucking Cusack. <laughs> I will not be watching this, but God bless any of you who do and find that it brings you some sort of joy and peace. Somehow we got to get Mike to watch this, folks. Somehow. <laughs> Gretel and Hansel. So those woods are creepy, man. Everything about this was creepy. Uh, I love those establishing shots. My God. Sophia Lillis from It and Sharp Objects. She is playing Gretel. I love the reverse title. It's Gretel and Hansel. Important. Great. Yeah. This is a grim fairy tale. Yep. Uh, I think they're taking fairy tales seriously for once. Yeah, it, it looks, and they kind of have, they have that choppy cinematography where, you know, it's not just flowing on film. It's one thing happens, then you're cutting a quick cut to another thing to make it look more, I don't even know what you call that, yeah. but it looks like more skittish. It is skittish. Like it is like the double V-vitch yeah. almost in a way. Yeah. So that 
witch is wearing prosthetics? Is that a real face? Because that's a creepy face. I don't know. I was wondering that myself. But whatever the case is, that's either fantastic casting or fantastic makeup. She obviously looks like the Wizard of Oz, which uh, Wicked Witch of the West, yep. and you know, in the in profile, she's pouring lumpy milk amidst a dinner table full of excellent looking food part of a balanced breakfast i'm sure the rest of the food on closer examination is going to be a little gross not great looking food <laughs> I'm, I, I only watched the trailer once folks but i mean sophia lillis we want to see this absolutely can't wait She's loved awesome. her loved her in it chapter one she was great again in it chapter two i wonder why isn't this a netflix i mean this is surprising yeah. to me this isn't a netflix movie uh, horror movies for low budgets can make money in theaters though so, I mean, point. this could make money, and this girl's a great young actor. Let's g- give her more great parts, leading roles. Co-sign with all everything there, man. I can't wait. I can't wait to see her grow, too, grow throughout her career. She's going to be awesome. She already is. I can't wait to see her to get more. Absolutely right. So, Doctor Sleep debuted there. It's trailer two. I just want to say I liked it. I, I'm not going to go into it here, but that was before It Chapter Two. Yeah, these I'll, haven't I'll hit the that. internet, right? They haven't hit the internet yet. Tenet teaser, we kind of commented on it in our It Chapter 2 review, as well as one more that I'm actually not going to spoil. I I would spoil it, but you get a surprise trailer before It Chapter 2, which you will like. I had no trailers before my viewing of It Chapter 2, and you had 10. I had 10. (laughs) I didn't get home till 1 a.m. And the amazing part was the show started at 6. All right, let's go to Do You Care and wrap this up. This is where we take news stories of the week. We ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? The way we start every Do You Care segment is I ask Michael here, dear, sweet, innocent Michael, (laughs) how he feels and should we care about the upcoming releases this week. And this week, we only have two going nationwide. We already kind of talked about both of them. The Goldfinch opens. Hustlers opens. What do we care about and why? I care about Downton Abbey, Michael. (laughs) And I apologize for slow playing that before. Good job. I care about Downton Abbey, and that's what we're going to review this week, and we're excited about it. It's a one-night-only preview. But, no, I, I do care about Hustlers and the Goldfinch. I'm kind of rooting for them both, and and I'll see them, all three of them, I think. I have been so beaten down uh, mm-hmm. with the Goldfinch, like, just based on word of mouth and right. the studio moving its release day and have this look of that first and second trailer, some things I didn't like. I... I just have no desire to see that movie whatsoever. Really? That's sad. I like the cast. It seems like it has some kind of intriguing story. I have no idea what it's about. Did you say you read the book or you did not? I did not, but I've had it on my Audible queue for That's a right. long time. That's right. That's which right. means I can almost brag that I read the book. <laughs> uh, two and a half hour runtime for The Goldfinch. John Crowley, the director. 27 reviews right now on IMDb. We always say the early reviews should probably be make the film be very incredibly high. Would you like to guess what the first 27 reviews are? Oh, no. It's 60? Is it in the 60s? It's a 6.0. 6.0 on the first 27 reviews. Indicative of nothing. We understand that. 27 means nothing and could be anyone. Could be trolls, but... 6.0 for the early reviews out the gate. Ugh. Yeah, that trailer too wasn't good, was it? No, wasn't fair. All right, Mike. Uh, the People's Choice Award nominations came out. So I disagree with Noms atop the list here. Mm-hmm. MIB International, Little, and Murder Mystery were all nominated in the Best Comedy of the Year category. <laughs> Over mm-hmm. Book Smart yeah. and Always Be My Mate, maybe. Yeah, a little unforgivable. little unforgivable. <laughs> and then I stopped reading in this list. 
when I saw that in the best action movie category, yeah, man. Dark Phoenix is nominated. You don't think that has a shot? You don't think that'll win? You don't think that deserves the People's Choice Award for best action movie, Dark Phoenix? I, I just, I can't remember <laughs> I'm, a I'm worse film. You. I can't I'm trolling re- you. I can't even t- make it funny. I can't even make this segment funny. <laughs> I refuse to even joke about this. I just, so, I have no sense of humor about how bad Dark Phoenix is. The People's Choice Award, I think it's E, right? I'm pretty sure it's yeah. an E thing. Um, I give them a lot of credit because it can't be easy to actually keep track of all this stuff and you have to cater to such a wide base of people and okay. trying to have ratings and all this, blah, blah, blah. But as an Oscar critic, the main thing I think of is that does the Academy realize that it may not get this dire, right? but having that popular film imperative is kind of this. You're right. going to have only studio, big budget studio films trying to cater to the most amount of people possible because you want to placate a a bunch of people to come in that wouldn't normally watch a show to watch the show on the hopes that something like Murder Mystery can slip through the cracks because they enjoyed an Adam Sandler movie and win win something on a prominent stage. I mean, again, it's not... Murder Mystery's never going to be nominated for an Oscar, even a Best Popular Film. I understand that. But this is like the worst case scenario of what the Best Popular Film Imperative could lead to. Based on the critic scores, and we haven't watched all these movies with really low critic scores, but based on those, you got half Razzie nominations Mm. in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, WWE Raw is nominated for Best Show. Oh, God. And this has been a terrible year for Raw. Really? (laughs) Yeah, it's been awful. Awful, except right. lately. So that's it's it's rough. You, it's rough. You've redeemed yourself in my eyes, then, <laughs> Mike. The Lord of the Rings Amazon TV series cast Will Poulter in the lead role. Do we care? I resent you for putting this on today's <laughs> list. It's the question of our age, Michael. <laughs> Elf, dwarf, hobbit, orc, or man? Answer it. <laughs> Elf. <laughs> Elf, dwarf, hobbit, orc, or man? <laughs> I don't know either, but that's the fun of this. So are they are they just battling? Is it like tribes and they're battling each other in this? Is that what the premise is? Or? You have seen The Fellowship of the Ring. I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. Yeah, you can't you play dumb. You can't play cool and be like the the you know the silly wizards and the silly. Ha- we reviewed that movie. You can't play this dumb and but, this cool. But I thought you said this TV show would be the predecessor <laughs> to The Hobbit, right? No? It's it's an age it's an age between right the so, Cimmerillion and the Lord of the Rings. Oh age. my God! You sounded like you just contracted a virus. <laughs> you might get Graymo Wormtongue's great great grandfather here. That sounds disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, though, Poulter, super versatile. We love him as an actor. I would suspect Elf, but I'm not sure. He can pull anything off. Is this a war? Seriously, is this like just a war of tribes? There's going to be a war. It's epic fantasy. All right. There's going to be a war of some kind. (laughs) I'm asking. Will it be for a ring? Don't know. I don't know. Probably not a ring. Fair enough. No, definitely not a ring because it's before the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It wasn't forged yet, Michael. Yeah, no, I, that's what I was going to. He took the words out of my mouth there. I don't think it was forged. Yeah. Uh, scholars are mm. debating this. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I've never wanted to move on more desperately in my entire life. Adele Lim <laughs> leaves Crazy Rich Asians, the sequel, after realizing that the pay disparity between offers to her, 110 k and to Peter Chiarelli, almost a million, 800 k 
were just so far apart. Yeah, good. Of course, we care about this. Good job by Ben Pearson of Slashfilm, who had the the write up of this. Basically, Warner Brothers wanted to pay her, like you said, an eighth of what they offered her co-writer Pietrelli. Magnified by the fact that she, Adele Lim, was the only writer of Asian heritage attached yeah. to Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Uh, and adapting that for the screen like it was, and it obviously was a huge hit. Everybody loved it. It was a major player in award season when really wasn't expected to be. I, I know it didn't make a win Oscars or anything like that, but it had a, a lesser award show. It did well. Look, what's worse for the company of WB here, though, is that yeah. Adele Lim said, no, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to take, you know, stand on... I think you're, what you're doing is wrong. I'm not going to accept your offer of taking an eighth of this guy. You obviously don't value me. I'm going to move on. Mm-hmm. WB moved on from her, tried to find another Asian heritage writer that they were happy with, mm-hmm. failed, and then came back around to Adele Lim and said, okay, we're gonna, we'll offer you a comparable competing offer like Peter Chiarella. Uh, to have basically you be on equal footing after making such a big stink about not being able to do that for her in the first place, saying we that would set such a dangerous precedent in the industry and blah, blah, blah. We can't offer you that because of X, Y, and Z. Uh, WB looks horrible here. So I'm just glad that this story blew up in their faces, I think. I mean, shine a bright, hot light yeah. on this whole mess. Uh, it looks terrible. If you're going to grandstand, we can't do this. We can't set a bad precedent for the industry, blah, blah, blah. That's one thing, even though it's BS. Right. Then you go back on your word and say, well, we couldn't find anyone to replace you, so I guess we will offer you this comparable thing that we do have at our expense. If you're going to come back to her in that situation, you have to offer her an amount that you're sure she's going to accept. Because if this, if you, she says no, you look like a horse's ass. And WB right now looks like a horse's ass. And good for Adele Lynn for not taking that second offer, by the way. I mean, mm. she's standing her ground. She's making this a pretty much a, a, an equal pay issue, which it is, mm-hmm. and she's at the forefront of it. I hope this blows up even more. I mean, this deserves more spotlight, more people talking about it. Good, Good. for her. Honestly, though, it sucks because we're rooting for Crazy Rich Asians, that franchise, of that course. sequel, and yeah. I don't know. It's it's a bummer of a story. Really, if if the facts are what they purport to be in this article. Looks terrible for WB, and they should probably feel a little bit of shame. It does. Uh, all right, Mike, moving on. We have an update from that Gags the Clown, <laughs> yeah. who we talked about one of our Joker character study episodes. We have an update for these clown sightings that started in 2016 in Wisconsin. So, Gags the Clown was the short film where these sightings originated from mm-hmm. because these filmmakers were marketing their short film. Never mind their feature film. Their short film at this stage. I still haven't decided. Is this genius or stupid? It just didn't play out the way they expected. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. They just wanted a, a full house at the local theater. <laughs> and they kind of started a worldwide Terrorizing crisis. humans, yeah. And we went over all of it in that Pennywise versus the Joker episode, yeah. that crossover episode where we discussed the history of evil clowns in real life, in this case, in that one. and in entertainment. But, Mike, they were able to make a feature film out of this, which I misspoke on in that last episode because I said it was the short film that was being released this year. No, they they created a feature film. They got financing for a feature and they're putting that out and it's out now. Do we know anything about it? No. Are you going to see it? Are you going to watch it? Are you curious for I'm very well, I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm a yeah. disgusting human being. Like the mm-hmm. macabre and the dark always interest me. It's so. a creepy poster. I wish the name of the clown was better. Gags. Gags, yeah. Nah. 
<laughs> should be ashamed of yourself, clown. Uh, I don't know. I, I, if, if, is it a documentary? Is it? No, I don't think so. So it's just about a killer clown? I have no idea. Yeah, I've seen know. the poster and I read this story. Yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting. Because... Sounds like you don't care in the Do You Care segment I kinda about this. I kind of don't all care. Right. I kind of don't fair, care. Fair, fair. That's why but we have But here's something we probably care about. Yeah. For the moment, yeah. and that's a quote, the door is closed, said Sony Chief on the Spider-Man split with Disney. But there's some hope in that sentence. Yeah, there. that's the quote from Sony CEO Tony Vincent Cara. What is he supposed to say? Why are people asking him about this still? Like, oh, man, we really hope Marvel comes around and gives us money because we don't know what the hell we're doing with this property. He, pref- <laughs> he prefaced it, though, Mike. And I kind of read that as a little more hopeful because he could have just said the door is closed. But he said, for the moment, the yeah. door is closed. And the article goes on to reference John Favreau, who said he's been in touch with both sides and says he thinks there's hope, but it's going to be a long road. It's essentially everything we've been saying about this. It's, You've this been is, saying, right? To well, be fair. It's a non-update right now because right. these par- the parties are going to meet one more time. We have like a time frame of four or five years, mm-hmm. minimum three, before this actually happens and this goes anywhere. So the parties are going to meet one more time. The most we'll get out of this is maybe we'll have an introduction of a Spider-Man in a post-credit sequence for Venom 2 or at the end of Venom 2 because that's going to be out sooner than these two parties can probably find a resolution. So maybe Sony teases that because they've already taken over the marketing for Spider-Man Far From Home wholesale. It's right. all over their social media pages. It's not on Marvel's social media pages. So I could see that happening, but I don't think that's going to be an indicator of anything anyway. We'll see what happens with this. Here's what I wonder, though, to add something. Mm-hmm. Will Sony look to negotiate before Venom 2 just in case Venom 2 doesn't come out the way they want it? I think that would show weakness on their part. I don't think that'd be they they've right they've positioned themselves into a, a place of strength in this negotiation so unless disney really comes at them with a much better offer right now uh, it is a gamble because if venom does flop and they do include spider-man then that changes the narrative but sequels have been having a hard yeah time. that's true that's true it is michelle williams it is tom hardy it did set the record for the biggest october opening ever mm-hmm. who knows they they do need regardless of anything i think sony for multiple reasons, outside of Spider-Man related and Marvel-related reasons, Venom needs to be Venom Two needs to hit for them. I mean, yeah, they no need question. they need that income. They need to rely on that. So again, uh, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing right now, as the saying goes. So we're going to keep an eye on this as always. Sorry that it's kind of a non-update, but it's good that, like you said, at least the CEO isn't like there's no hope. The door is closed. We're right. not talking about this. Don't ask me about it anymore. Nothing's over till it's over, man. Us fans can only hope. The only thing that didn't happen was Macho Man never came back to WWE. He's the only time somebody stuck true to the The only record. time. The only time. The only one. And CM Punk, but he'll be back. He'll be back. You I, still I have hope. hope for that. I got it. Is Macho Man dead? Oh, yeah, he's dead. He's dead. Yeah. If you wrestled in the 80s... You're dead. Probably. 60-40, you're dead right oh, now. Oh, no. Yeah, no, it's not good. It's a bad industry. All right, well, on that happy note, <laughs> that is your weekly dose of MMO Weekly to set you up for the Hollywood and Holly Weird Week that'll be coming to you. We obviously want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about this and anything else covered in the MMO Empire as well as what happened in NFL Sunday Week 1. Did your team win? I got hope ours did. <laughs> you can reach out to us at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear 
favorite podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. If you can go on your podcast app, on your iPhone, your girlfriend's iPhone, your boyfriend's iPhone, your friend's iPhones, just steal them. It'll take 30 seconds each. They won't even know. Bathroom breaks last longer than that. Just go on the podcast app, hit search in the bottom right-hand corner, type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and search. You'll be able to see our logo. Tap on that and scroll down once. You'll see the opportunity to leave us a five-star review. That would really help us go a long way. And like I said, literally takes 30 seconds out of your day. So if you want to feel like you did a good deed for someone in those 30 seconds that it would take, uh, we truly and humbly would appreciate that very Definitely. much. And thank all of you that have done that already. Michael, what is coming up? And what are some words of wisdom to start these people's weeks off with? It's wise to get hyped for the Lord of the Rings TV series and for Dow and Abby this week. How'd Hard you like that? I disagree on both. <laughs> words of wisdom that segue into a preview of coming attractions. I will say. Mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings aside. <laughs> Very curious to hear a Downton Abbey review from you who has attachment to the series. I'm a little worried about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. 90 minutes long. I figured it would be longer. I like Julian Fellows. Right. I think he's written some really good stuff over the years. So I'm hopeful. I like the first few seasons more than the latter few seasons. I'm going to have to do like a watch of the recaps, Okay. I think, because I don't remember the series that well. Gotcha. I just remember Bates always getting into trouble. Bates was a shit magnet. I remember Mary and her father. I hated them. <laughs> and I remember uh, everybody else I liked. I liked all the servants. All right, good. Well, I did, you got something I did, to look forward to. I did like them. Anyway... I do think we're going to cover that this week, mm-hmm. unless something gets in our way. It's only playing at 7 o'clock on Thursday. So if something does get in our way, we won't be able to review it until the following week. But otherwise, that will be our movie event for this week. we got the Joker character study, and we're doing Mark Hamill this time. The following week, we will do Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. We're building up to that Joaquin Phoenix Golden Lion winning Joker. can't believe that. And that's phenomenal news for us yeah. with that character study. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. That won the Golden Lion. The Joker. Amazing. The Joker won the Golden Lion. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Like always, guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will catch you all in a couple days. See you.